You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's no question. He was the final piece, the piece that really made everything go. But you're right, everything else we had in place, we needed that big-time running back to score from anywhere on the field. And Franco brought that to his point. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steelers Nation and welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. I am your host, Stan Saverin. We post up here twice weekly during the Steelers season for nothing but Steelers content. It's easy to get. You've already found it. Just tell your friends and neighbors and relatives that you can get us at Steelers.com. The podcasts are loaded up there. It is a profoundly sad moment in Pittsburgh Steelers history and what should have been and to a degree still will be a happy time in Steelers Nation with the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. All that will be missing will be the man of the hour, the man of the year, Franco Harris, who passed away tragically on Wednesday, December 21st. With the impending ceremony just a few days later. Now the celebration will go on, but it will be more than tinged with bitter irony and sadness. And that Franco suddenly, unexpectedly, shockingly, stunningly passed away just a handful of days before he was to be honored. It's hard to conjure up positive memories when it's so close to such an icon passing away with no forewarning. There was no indication that Franco had any medical injuries or, uh, excuse me, medical issues. At least they were made public. That's what makes it so hard to understand. If I can draw a bit of solace in all this, I go back to the day that it was made public that Franco would receive the honor of becoming only the third Steeler to have his jersey number retired. The first two, of course, Ernie Stautner, and the greatest Steeler, Joe Green. Mike Tomlin, as you may know, holds his weekly press conference Tuesdays at noon. I am there for those at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, and I do my show from there. Mike Tomlin is on from 12 to 12.30, 
Then we have programming that takes it up to 1 o'clock. I pick up the ball at 1 p.m. And so, after the buffer period, Mike Tomlin ending his press conference at about 1.25 generally, or 12.25, excuse me. Then my colleagues Jerry Dulac and Dale Lally come on, offer their thoughts on the previous game, the upcoming game, and what Mike Tomlin had to say. And then I come out at 1 o'clock. At 1 o'clock, Art Rooney II, president of the Steelers, brought Franco Harris back into that same media room to announce the special activities, what is now this coming weekend, with the Raiders being in town for the Immaculate Reception 50th anniversary celebration, and also to announce for the very first time in public that Franco's number was going to be retired, only the third such jersey retirement in Steelers history. The Franco press conference with the assembled media lasted less than 15 minutes. And then Art II and some other Steelers officials were escorting Franco out of the indoor facility at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex where I was doing my show. I was live on the air. As they were walking out, Franco saw me. And he started to come over to the table where I was broadcasting from. And I waved for him to come over. Come on, have a seat. And gave him a headset with a microphone so we could converse. And that was fine with the assembled brass. For you see, Franco and I had developed a friendship. When he was playing, there's always this separation between a player or a coach and a media member, no matter how well they get along. But as time went along, and we began to see one another at non-Steeler game-related functions, we kind of developed a friendship of sorts. I didn't see him socially, but on the occasions where we were in the same venue at the same event, It was always a pleasant conversation, and Franco, like he did with most people, would actually seek me out to say hello, and I took great pride in that. I was honored by that. I was flattered by that. And in interviewing Franco that day, it was so obvious the joy that he felt in having his number being retired by the Steelers an organization that he loved and cared about deeply. Being a Steeler and winning those Super Bowl titles meant more to him than just about anything. And he was, although he had found out a couple of days earlier, there was a glow about him, a joy that shone within him over being honored in such a fashion by the organization that he revered so much. And as I think back on the horrible news that we all received 
and try to justify it somehow, the solace that I take is that even though it his his death came just a handful of days before he was to be honored at the stadium, that he took with him the knowledge that this award was going to be bestowed upon him, that he didn't need Saturday night to find out. In other words, it wasn't a surprise to him. It would be one thing if he left us without knowing, but he knew. He knew early this season, and I take some solace in that. Something else about Franco, certainly not in Steelers Nation, but I often wonder if the Immaculate Reception didn't in some ways tarnish his legacy as one of the greatest runners in NFL history. People outside Western PA and Steelers Nation may know Franco from the Immaculate Reception, but may it's glossed over in that maybe what a great running back he was. At the time he retired, he trailed only Walter Payton and Jim Brown in total yards gained and was poised to pass Jim Brown. So the Immaculate Reception, I hope, wouldn't be the only thing in his legacy. And the last thing I'm going to mention about Franco is how much he meant to the community, not just the football community. He was involved in so many different endeavors. He was highly visible. You saw him around. He was always around. Always had a kind word, and he had a presence about him. I likened this on one of my shows this week, the day that he passed away, Wednesday. That in terms of athletes, local athletes, only Mario Lemieux had that kind of aura about him. And I, many times, had been in rooms when Mario would walk in and all activity would stop. Because Mario had this presence. And the same thing was with Franco. He had this remarkably photogenic face. He never looked 72. He always looked 32. And as a big a man as he was, he always carried himself with a grace and an elegance. He had that it factor. That was just Franco. I'm proud to have known him. I'm proud to have covered him. I'm thrilled to have watched his exploits as a player. And even more proud and grateful that he was a friend. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs, 
Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. <laughs> hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. His fellow Penn Stater and Hall of Fame member, Jack Cam, and of course, Pittsburgh Steeler teammate. Jack knew him before any of us ever did because they were teammates at Penn State. And talk about great, one of the greatest linebackers who ever lived. Jack Ham joins me now. And Jack, on this incredibly shocking day, how were you able to find out? And just your general reaction to losing your longtime teammate and friend. Well, you know, Stan, uh, it was just a, a total shock because uh, I, I found out early early this morning, and uh, and uh, a friend of mine called me, and uh, it, it, you know, it you're you're spellbound, you're 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 in complete shock, and and you you think about Franco and his family, and uh, and all of those thoughts, and. Uh, uh, you know, as you said earlier, I go back to when Franco was 18 years old at the freshman at Penn State when I first met him, and uh, I just have so much love and respect for him and how he's been able to carry himself as a player, a teammate, and what he's done here in Pittsburgh in the community is is truly special. And uh, you know, he will be obviously deeply, deeply missed on so many different levels. Uh, Jack, not that it matters now, it doesn't, but um, part of the shock is that it was so sudden. As I mentioned, uh, I just saw him uh, maybe a month ago at the uh, the grand opening of the Steelers Museum uh, at the stadium, Um, and I don't think anybody was aware of any health problems he may have had. Maybe that will be revealed later on. Um, Were you aware of, of any health issues that he may have had that might at least explain the suddenness of all this no uh, no stan I, I was with him uh, we were doing a thing for for a penn state luncheon uh, a couple of months ago and and uh and he was doing some taping for the you know for the ceremony for the immaculate reception festivities and uh no not at all not at all and uh you know you, you see franco he he looks like he's in his playing weight uh uh, when he was a running back for his, all those years at the, at the Steelers. And uh, I, there was there was nothing to even suggest anything was physically or health-wise that he had any kind of issues at all. So that's why it is so sudden and so shocking that what, what has happened here to uh, one of the great, not just teammates of mine, but just one of the really special guys that uh, I got to know. Uh, absolutely. Let's let's go back to when um, he came in as a freshman to Penn State. Um, I characterized him early on, at least my tenure here, um, uh, not reluctant, but somewhat 
um, subdued. There are an awful lot of big personalities in your locker room. Um, and Franco would, you know, glad to do interviews, but there were just so many other people, despite his integral uh, importance to the team. Uh, was he shy um, as a freshman coming into Penn State? What was he like back then? Oh, he you know, back then, Stan, I'm dating myself because freshmen were not eligible to play on the varsity. So right. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 when we had an outstanding defense at Penn State in, in those years, and so he was the freshman uh, scout team on the offensive side of the ball, and he played tight end against me. And, uh, you know, Lydell Mitchell was the scout team running back. So our, our scout team was uh, very talented. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it was amazing. Uh, he ran a, a tight end takeoff on me one time because he was playing. Uh, over, I was playing over top of him, and at 200, he was probably at that time about 215 pounds, 220 pounds, and he ran this tight end takeoff, and I was just shocked at how quick he was off the ball and how fast he went downfield, and you know, as a big running back in those days. So, uh, uh, yeah, he was very understated, uh, very shy, and, uh, and really took a back seat to Lydell Mitchell at Penn State his entire career. When he came to Pittsburgh, there was a lot of wear still on his tires because it wasn't used all that much at Penn State. Well, it always struck me as ironic um, that he was used, uh, if you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, largely as a blocking back for Lydell Mitchell. And when he got here, um, the, you know, the mantra was that he didn't want to block anybody, that that was not his thing. Well, I, I could tell you one story. We played in the Pro Bowl when uh, the Houston Oilers were the they, – they lost to us in the AFC Championship game. So the coaching staff that loses that AFC Championship game is the, is the Pro Bowl coach. Well, Bum Phillips had Earl Campbell in the Pro Bowl as well. And the first day of practice, Franco lined up in a four-point stance in front of Earl Campbell as the blocking back for for him. And every Steeler defender who was in the Pro Bowl that year began to hysterically laugh because we told <laughs> Campbell, if you're going to get any yardage, don't trust your lead back to block for you because he's not going to get it done. And, <laughs> and, and we all just – he had the, that reputation and uh, – and it was it was pretty much it was it was valid to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> he wore it like a badge of honor. Uh, I was recounting uh, no less an authority than Joe Green uh, always said that Franco was the final piece. That everything else was there from the head coach to the coaching staff to certainly the defense. Uh, uh, you know, a, a burgeoning quarterback, uh, two Hall of Fame receivers. Did you look at uh, guys look at Franco that way as he was the the final piece to become the great team that you became? Oh, without a stand, without a doubt, Joe Joe's exactly right because uh, uh, I don't care what era you play in, that running game is so important to the uh, to how good a football team you are. And I, I can remember, frankly, even in his rookie year in, in spring, at the preseason, and uh, he again, he, he's not the greatest practice player in the world. But and, and some of the players on the defensive side, especially, were had some questions about Franco because they had they had drafted uh, Bob Campbell, running back with Penn State, a couple of years earlier, I think in the third round or something, and didn't pan out. And so they had question marks about a Penn State running back. Well, the, the third preseason game we played in, in Atlanta, and um, 
and it's in the afternoon, and Franco gets the ball, and he splits the defense and goes 80 yards for a touchdown. And, you know, a running back of 225 pounds, being able to do that, outrun defensive backs, everybody on our defense realized that we had that kind of running back, and now we're going to have that kind of a running game to really get us over the top. And there was no question. He was the final piece, the piece that really made everything go. Because you're right, everything else we had in place, we needed that big-time running back who could score from anywhere on the field, and Franco brought that to his game. Jack, I'm wondering, and I, I think it, it bears repeating um, throughout from now until time ends, that he'll, of course, be forever linked to the Immaculate Reception, but it also seems to me that that does him somewhat of a disservice uh, because people, certainly not from around here, but they, oh, the Immaculate Reception. But I, I sometimes think that it overshadowed what a great back he was at the time that he retired. He trailed only Walter Payton and Jim Brown um, in, in terms of total yardage and was about to pass Jim Brown until 1984 came along and the Seattle trip, and which was, uh, you know, short-lived. But it seems to me that in some ways the Immaculate Reception, which vaulted him to fame, also sort of shrouded his greatness to a degree. No, you're, Stan, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and also his durability. I mean, he got banged up a couple of times, but uh, you could always count on him. I mean, we win the first, our first Super Bowl because, again, we can run the football against a very good Viking defense. And uh, I think Franco had, I'm not sure, like 150 yards and, and was the MVP in, in that game. Uh, uh, being able to have that kind of a back who get into the secondary uh, we talk about errors and who who could play when, who can play now, whatever the case may be. At 220 pounds, I mean, he's not as big as some of the big running backs in the game here today, but big enough. And uh, he just brought an element in, in the durability that you're right. That the immaculate reception will always be that that one thing will always be linked to, to Franco and, and his legacy. But uh, his career and how the durability he had and, and way that we had a constant in our running game was so important to us. And and it it does take away somewhat of what he was able to bring to the table. Uh, And lastly, Jack, um, I mentioned earlier that um, I was able to interview Franco live on this show um, just minutes after he'd gotten the news they were going to retire his number um, and with the ceremony scheduled for Saturday night. Uh, And I take some solace in knowing that he was aware of the thrill of that being done for him, only the third number ever uh, to be retired uh, as a Steeler. Uh, and so the fact that he will not be around to actually live through the honor itself uh, doesn't bite quite as hard because he, he was aware it was going to happen. And I, I will never forget the look of joy on his face when he recounted how much that meant to him. Well, Franco's a very emotional guy, and you keep some of that emotion inside. But uh, uh, he was so honored the fact that uh, his number was going to be retired. He's such a team player, but I, as, as you mentioned earlier, he, he was the link. He was that p- missing piece that, that got us to the point where we were able to win those Super Bowls. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he always kind of deflected any kind of recognition away from himself. But in his quiet moments, uh, he was very, very thrilled about the fact of his number being retired as one of the greats of all time. He was a proud man. Um, Jack, my sincere condolences 
uh, I know what he meant to you. Uh, I know what he meant to this city, uh, what he meant to this region, and what he meant to the sport. Uh, again, I thank you for the time today and under these difficult circumstances, and uh, my sincere condolences. Stan, thank you. Th- thank you very much. The legendary Jack Ham, reflecting upon the loss of his great friend and teammate, Frank O'Harris. He spoke beautifully and spoke for us all. December 21st, 2022 is a date that we will not soon forget. And you can rest in the knowledge that Franco appreciated you in Steelers Nation as much as you appreciated him. I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for joining us on Saverin on Steelers. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.